0: Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today once more, Jay Harvey, how are you? Great. Always an honor to be in this chair. Thanks, Jay. Oh, no, no, Jay. It's always an honor to have you (laughs) alongside. Thank you. No, no, my honor is greater than yours. Okay. Okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you for for just honoring me, humoring me. And, you know, we're living in a world where it's easy for us to kind of be in a studio, and it's quiet, and it feels safe. But we know that all around us, uh, the world has got a lot of tension. On so many fronts, in so many ways, we have epoch and time where there's a convergence of, of challenges that we're not used to, like a pandemic, for instance, or 39 million people whose jobs have evaporated in the wake of the pandemic. And then we have all of the tensions that have surfaced again about race and equity in our culture, in our country, even around the world. I mean, man, what a time in which we live. But Jay, so glad to see you because you bring life into the room. Well, thank you. And actually, we're so glad to have a guest with us today who also has kind of lived out there on Mm -hmm. the streets. And we've invited him because he actually has a lens of experience to speak into the world we live in now because he's served as a career in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And he's also been the mayor of a city where he's had to wrestle with Things that happen that you can't predict, and all of a sudden you you think you're going to do one thing as the mayor, and all there's a crisis, and That's what right. do you do about it? We're so glad to have him with us. His name is Chris Ackerman. Chris, thanks for coming alongside. Thanks for having me today. Chris is. Here in Anderson, Indiana with us, that's the place where Jay and I hang out most of the time, where right. our studio is. Right. Anderson is a, a city on the northeast side of the Indianapolis metro. I think, mm-hmm. you know, back in olden time, it was a thing by itself. Today, it's it's really part of that larger Indianapolis suburb, but like many suburbs, it's a, it's a big town. It's a big mm-hmm. place with about 120,000 people in our county. Anderson's in the heart of that, and... uh Chris has been in the mayor's office as well as been a member of the Anderson City Police Force Mm -hmm. uh, for a career. Chris, I mean, there's so much we want to ask you about your life. (laughs) Yes, But before we go there, just tell us about Chris Ackerman. Where'd you grow up? Grew up right here
1: in Anderson, uh, born in 60. My parents both worked for GM and and, uh, we had a great growing up and went to the local high school here. You know, ran for council later on and then served on the city council for seven years. And then during that time, I was still a police officer with the city. I I was hired on in 85 at the the city police department here in Anderson. And then the council thing came and then the mayor's thing came after that and served one term as mayor of the city. They're
0: all kind of threads that weave together, but yes. you've given your life to this city. I, I could say that. I know that for certain. Mm-hmm. But most of your professional life has been engaged in law enforcement. Yes. Why did you think about policing as a career? I mean, how did that happen? Did that? Did you grow up thinking? Some, you know, some kids grow up and say, yeah, I'm going to do that one day," or is it something that just kind of came on you uh, later in life?
1: I had two things. One, I, I did have a, a self interest in it just uh, watching the police shows on TV when when I was younger. And then as I got older, my brother, he was first a firefighter and then a police officer, and I admired my brother and respected him, and I gave it a try. And gentlemen, we just lost here recently, John Gunner was the one who gave me the opportunity uh, to be hired at the police department. And from there on, and actually before that, I just love living where I live. Uh, We have our challenges like a lot of cities do. But it's always nice to get out and know people and walk and talk. And we tried to do that the whole four years that we were in office. But even before that on the council and even before that, just in public on the police department side, you know, trying to get to know people just makes your job easier. And uh, I love people. And that, that gave me the, the perfect you know, launch pad, you know, to do that. So,
0: Did you ever have a moment when you were working for the police department where you thought, man, why did I do this? Had, you know, <laughs> this is this is nuts.
1: I've had some close calls uh, uh, with different individuals, and it seems like they always came back to an apology between us. never took things personal you you try to avoid that you know to keep your head on straight and level and uh, you see things happen. I was very fortunate not to see anything that uh, was Hard racism. Didn't see that. Hopefully, I was in a, uh, the right place at the right time. I do know that exists. Uh, not necessarily with our department, but you know, even close by, there are those uh, bad apples in, in a you know in a basket that that come with everything that's organized. And but I was fortunate. I never had to experience that. You know, on any side of of that. So very fortunate.
2: Chris, you mentioned uh, about racism and and how you didn't really see that. You know it exists, maybe, but you, it wasn't a part of your career there during the at the police department. But and you also said you worked hard to get to know people. So can you kind of talk about both of those things and how they go hand in hand? Maybe the reason you didn't see it a lot was because you took the initiative to to really try to get to know people. Yes. Okay. Talk and, about
1: and I that. I I can also speak to that in a way that I have African American. They're not children anymore; they're adults now. But nieces and nephews that are African American, so I don't really see color that way. Right. But when you're dealing with people on the street, there's those that do, and that becomes part of the dialogue with them. And, and I always felt like if you're going to succeed in anything, you got to get a hold of of all that and kind of you know relate that with people that you're communicating with, and they'll see that you're you're a good human being.
0: Well, and of course, you've been in public life in politics. And Anderson's a city that uh, has a substantial community of color in the city limits. And I'm guessing, Chris, that your political experience has caused you to develop deep relationships in every community of our city, which as a policeman, certainly has to be a benefit too, because you're not a stranger. You're not the other. You're just part of the mix. That's been your history here. Chris, in your years uh, as a policeman, uh, did you find yourself ever in a moment where you had to make a decision? Shall I draw my weapon to protect the public interest or myself or maybe someone else? Yes. Uh, And just had to make that decision. And if so, if you've had those moments, can you tell us about one or how that felt? Because it seems like the, the responsibility that we who are not in law enforcement can only watch on TV. It just has to be huge.
1: One of one of the closest or more most severe things that I dealt with in uh, at the police department was early in my career. I served as a bailiff in our city court, which used to be in city hall. And in that courtroom, they had a holding room that was probably three by five. It was a very small room, and we had the responsibility of going over to the jail and bringing prisoners into the courtroom. And there was a young man. He was at the time he was only twenty four, and um, the judge had put him in the holding room along with the prisoners from the jail. He came in on his own and and then there was some dialogue between him and the judge and the judge put him in there for potential sentencing. While in there, uh, this gentleman was making a lot of noise and disrupting the court, so I had to go in there. And when I did, I I put another guy over on this side of the room and I had my back to this young man that had been giving the judge some problems. And he was able to disarm me completely. And he was actually pointing the weapon at me. And I had the safety on. That's what we did when we were in court. We kept that on. He didn't know how to operate that. And thank goodness at that point, I had to make a decision. I was praying, obviously, you know, is he going to pull the trigger on me? You know, what's going to happen? And what did happen is there was a physical altercation that ensued to get the weapon from him. And then he fought us you know, continuously. That was a very close call for me. And I I was able to survive that. Beyond that, I mean, there's probably been more close calls that I don't know about, you know, people hiding behind something or whatever. But overall, I've had a great career. I've only been injured a couple of times. You know, I've I've just been very, very blessed.
0: Chris, I know that, uh... You have been informed as a police officer in your career in law enforcement and also in city government by your faith. Yes. And uh, I know that uh, you're a guy who's who's trying to frame your decision process through the lens yes. of your faith. absolutely. Uh, tell me, like, as the mayor, as we just imagine, what it's like to be a mayor these days, and you have a crisis brewing out there and you're not sure what to do. Some things are, you know, smaller. It's a crisis at the... Uh, animal control center, which is a, an important thing, but sure. I mean, different than a riot on the street. But as you were the mayor, give us an idea of how you navigated day by day, going to the office on the top floor of the city hall building, what did you do?
1: Communication uh, amongst department heads, we made it a point to always have a full staff meeting of all of our department heads and always gave them an opportunity of you know, five or 10 minutes to speak what's going on in their department communication works for everything if you keep that going. We also did a faith uh, uh, thing on the fifth floor where we started having monthly prayer meetings. uh, And coming into that job, we felt there was a need for that. It was absent when when we saw that and, and looked at that. And that was one of our top priorities is to bring that in and You hear those that that would argue that, the church and state, and keeping it separate, but I always felt like the faith was high on my list, obviously, and you have to have that. And we were lucky that um, those people that came for the prayer meetings, that eventually grew to some of our department heads attending those meetings, and I saw a lot of new people that were garnering the faith that had never been at church. They and, were
0: exploring. Yes. Faith. Yep.
1: Yep. And it was a good way, a good avenue for them to come in and be around people they trust. And we didn't, you know, we always try to make people feel at home when they came up there. And keeping an open mind and an open door, I think, helped in a lot of ways.
0: And I know that you personally uh, uh, told me that your your wife was an anchor in your life. Yes. And the Bible was because those Absolutely. are the two things that just are you trust them.
1: Yes, more than anything else in in my world, it's it's. You know, I always go back to the Bible, and I my wife, uh, bless her heart, she's she grew up in a, a faith family in Michigan, and she's been able to kind of guide me because I was very unchurched when I was younger, and uh, as I've married her, and I've been married to her 30, 37 years, well. I have to get that right, <laughs> um, but she's been my rock in all that and and, you know, motivates me a lot. I don't need to be motivated too much anymore as far as my faith, but... Uh, she's always the one that, just like you said, I compare her and the Bible as two of the most respectful things that I, that I have that are important to me.
0: And as we talked about that earlier, Chris, I, I know uh, a scripture came to mind, and Jay, you've got your uh, Bible I open, do. because this, this is a kind of uh, approach to life that Chris right. has has used in public office as well as on the law enforcement side. What's it say? This is in Proverbs.
2: Yeah, Proverbs 3 um, in verse 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths.
1: Pretty simple. Very simple and very strong. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes. And, and often forgotten to not depend on your own understanding. Yes. Uh, where that's where we get into
0: trouble sometimes. Absolutely.
2: But always coming back to it, it can get cleared up pretty quickly. Yes.
0: Well, and the world is so complicated. Honestly, as we sometimes say, the old phrase, "the wisdom of Solomon" is required—a kind of supernatural wisdom—because the issues are so complex, and there are so many layers of understanding that none of us have to know how to move forward. Chris, what would you say today to someone who was in uniform as a policeman or policewoman who's facing their career in the present in climate where there's so much debate about policing and you know, what's right and what's wrong and can police be trusted and so on and so forth? To the person who might be listening to us today who was devoted to their career in law enforcement, what would you say to them?
1: Just always keep in mind that there are good people on on your department and you have to know and make it your daily duty to, not to interfere with their job or interfere with their life, but find out and if they're not faith-based, help them get there. Because the situation in uh, Minnesota, it was very embarrassing for even me now being retired, but I know that members of the police department, they don't understand why that happened. We're not used to seeing that here, but yet you have to understand where they're coming from and and let people know, you know, don't take every police officer and put them into one area and say they're all bad. They're not. There are many many good, you know, God fearing police officers that I know. I think just being a lay a lay minister and uh, to some of these people on the street and the guys that you work with, it becomes so important, especially with times like they are now. The the thing in Minnesota just it just really
0: hurts inside. It's an because, awful, awful tragedy. Yeah. And am I hearing you say, Chris, that from your experience and present viewpoint, that the character of the heart yes. is really key, and you're seeing faith as the doorway. I mean, yes. to, to unlock that heart, faith plays and should play an important part in, in law enforcement, in, in the officer's individual journey, because that will inform them in a better way than they would be otherwise. Yes. Chris is speaking as a man who just recently retired. Yes. And is trying to look at the world as his oyster. What's yes. What's next? But whatever you do, I know that you are going to be informed by your faith. Yes. What would you say to a listener today? Just somebody's listening and they're going, okay, I, I hear this guy. I get it. But that Jesus thing, I, I'm just not sure. What would you say to someone listening today who was just wondering, is Jesus legit?
1: Yes, Hmm. I would explain to people that that Bible can take you places you've never been before in your mind and in your heart and spend some time with that or spend some time around people who do read the Bible and let that, reflect onto you and, and pay attention, because if you apply those things and read it faithfully, you'll see that there's a lot of things that make sense in your everyday life, whether it's negative or positive. Once you pick up that Bible, you'll understand how to deal with it. Hmm. I guarantee you.
0: As you're listening today, you might think, all right, I want to know more about that, uh, because nothing else is working in my life. Hmm. Or maybe you think, I don't need that because I got my life and it's all together, But still, there's something about that word Jesus. There's something about that book, the Bible. There's got to be a reason why it's so magnetic to so many other people. Wherever you are, whatever your journey, we want to invite you to start exploring with us. Just take a step towards us. No, take a step towards Jesus. Yes. And how do you do that? You can do it with us by praying right now. Praying is talking to God. Just take a deep breath, just for a moment. Push to the side all the other thoughts. Just pray with us. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful that you know every one of us by name. You know exactly who we are and where we are. And I believe, Lord, that your will for each of us, every one of us, is good. And I pray, Lord, that all of us who are praying right now together will find in the next seven days evidence of your love. And that you will draw us into your word, the Bible itself, in both the Old and New Testaments, that you'll open our eyes to truth there that can give us life and allow us to give life to other people. We thank you for calling us together just now, all of us, random, all across the world, listening just now. We pray that you will hear our prayer and that you will move each one of us closer into your will and way for having prayed now. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to know more about this Jesus guy, Or about the scriptures that reveal him to us, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1 800 757 View. That's 1 800 757 8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone, I promise, waiting to hear from you. But, Jay, I know some people may not be ready to dive into a phone conversation, but still, their interest is piqued how can they find us online? We have a solution. It would be www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are. cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email and we will reply, I promise. You may even be accessing this conversation on social media, and if so, just post a message to us in the feed. We're watching it, and we'll get back to you, I promise. Or at the last, just Write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, use social media, or use the post office, let us hear from you this week. Mm-hmm. Chris Sakaman, so proud to be in your company anytime.
1: Oh, me as well, Jim. You, you, you're, we miss you, by oh, the way. Well,
0: okay, so this guy's talking about some old news, yes. where I used to be his pastor. But so proud to be in your company anywhere. Thank you, Chris. And thanks for your life for yes. our community. And Jay Harvey, you know, yes. you pour your life into this town, too. Thanks yes. for what
2: you do. Yeah, right. And I don't miss you at all. I, 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 uh, <laughs> well, that's because I, I see could, you all yeah, the time. Yeah, because I used that's to be his why. pastor,
0: and, and he's been <laughs> saved. He, he did a detox. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's because I get to see you so often. Oh, there you know go. what? The, the conversation today was so
0: rich. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. And we thank you for joining us on air two or online, however you're with us. Thanks for coming alongside. And we hope that you'll be with us again next week. But until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.